Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon and you're very welcome to Kicking Match. We're an Irish League podcast here, but we're going to do something a wee bit different. I'm going to call this a bonus episode, a little extra appetizer, a bonus starter to kick off your week. As usually, I'll be bringing you a recap of all the best action for the past seven days of the Irish League. And I will, that's coming this week. But with the League of Ireland coming back for its 2023 season, it kicked off all this weekend. I've got so many questions. So what I did was I jumped online, I sent a message to a brilliant podcaster, journalist, reporter. His name's Kieran Burke. He runs the Between the Stripes podcast. He's been doing it for years. And I sat him down and I just wanted to ask him all those questions that I have been thinking about for a long time. A League of Ireland for dummies, let's just say. And he was absolutely amazing. I think you'll really appreciate his passion and how knowledgeable he is. I honestly could have talked to him for maybe two three times longer than I actually did. So I'm going to find out who the runners and writers are, what have been some of the storylines on their off-season, and as well as that, what's behind the surge of success or the apparent surge of success the League of Ireland has been going through. What can we learn here in the Irish League? So sit back, relax. You're going to have your normal episode coming this week. But right now, let me know what you make of it. It was great to chat to uh, Mr. Kieran Burke. First of all, Peter, thanks for having me on. It was great to get the message off you. Um, when we set up the podcast seven years ago, we kind of hoped that, you know, if we could establish ourselves as a, as a well-respected podcast and if we could get it to grow a little bit, that we would attract more and more kind of outsiders to the league as such to get more eyes and more ears on the league uh, from people that maybe don't necessarily follow it all the time. And particularly this year, this is our seventh series now and the buzz around the league. I've never seen the likes of it before. It's absolutely incredible. Clubs, multiple clubs are reporting record season ticket sales. We've got Shamrock Rovers going for four in a row. Derry City won the cup. They're going to come strong now with a with a challenge. You've got Cork City coming back into the top flight. You've got massive clubs down in the first division as well. There's never been such a buzz around the League of Ireland. And we're getting a lot of messages. We released our first podcast of the season earlier on in the week. And we got a lot of messages from people saying it was the first time they listened they necessarily weren't always big League of Ireland fans. People last season started listening towards the end of the season and really got involved with it. So, you know, that's what we set out to do seven years ago and, and to get messages off people from all over the place, all over the world, saying that they're now taking more of an interest in the League of Ireland because they started listening to the show is, you know, it's a dream. That's what we set out to do. So I'm very, very proud of what we've achieved so far. So you hit on it there, you see it in the numbers, clubs are reporting record ticket sales, increase in revenue. In the year 2023, what do you think's behind this right now? Is it momentum? Is it a jumping forward since we all came out of the pandemic? What is it about this year that it seems like the league is going from strength to strength right now? I think there's a few different things. I was concerned initially after lockdown that this was just kind of a hunger for people to get out, go back to sport and events and that it would fizzle away. But the attendance has held very, very steady throughout last year. And as I said, now going into this new season, Derry City record season ticket sales. Shamrock Rovers have sold 4,000 season tickets. Cork City have a sellout this weekend. Pats have a sellout. The new club in the league, Kerry, have a sellout. So the numbers are absolutely incredible. Um, So I don't think it is. I think the the whole concern that it would dwindle away after COVID, has, has uh, that's put to the side for now, I think. I think there's a few different factors. I think... So I, personally, I, I am a huge football fan. I'll watch any football. I used to be very, very invested in the English Premier League. I'd watch every single game. And over the last number of years, probably over the last five, six years, slowly my interest has dwindled away. I'll still watch the games, still enjoy watching them, but I don't really feel like I have a connection with it anymore for a number of reasons. 
obviously we had the whole European Super League thing. I think that was a big thing. People are kind of thinking, you know, the game is getting further and further away from its roots, from where it started out. Working man's game, working class game, game for the people. I think it's getting further and further away. You see the sums of money now in the Premier League and in other leagues. Players getting hundreds of thousands a week when we're going through such a cost of living crisis and everything. I think the League of Ireland is more identifiable. And I think the clubs as well have woken up over the last five or six years and they've realised if you're not, not tapping into the community, if you're not identifying with the community, you're wasting your time. You really have to try and get out there, establish yourself in the community, get behind good projects. And I think the clubs are a lot better at that now. So I think there are just a, a few of the factors that are driving the buzz going into the new season. Not to mention there's some really good players and some really good teams in the league. And we've had some success in Europe over the last few years as well. You have indeed. So going into 2023, Shamrock Rovers biggest club and are coming in mm. as strong favorites is that fair to say or they're the team to beat they're the top dog uh they're going for four in a row and they've strengthened the squad again i think they struggled at times like rovers fans always give me pelters when, when we record our podcast because i seem to always be harsh on rovers despite the fact they have won three league titles in a row which is a fantastic achievement but i think with the squad of players they've assembled there they should be achieving more. Stephen Bradley's done a great job at, at Rovers, but he's still yet to win a double. Team like Rovers should be dominating domestically. They should be winning doubles and they should be competing in Europe with the squad of players they have. I think they actually struggled a little bit last year. They had so many games. They were fighting for the league. They got to the semi-finals of the cup and they qualified for the group stages of the conference league. So they had an awful lot of games. And I think despite the, the fact they had a very strong squad, I think all those games caught up with them. So I think Stephen Bradley's probably identified a little bit. He had to bolster his squad a little bit during the off-season. He could have gone out and just, you know, quantity over quality, but he certainly hasn't. He's brought in four or five absolutely brilliant signings. Trevor Clark's back from, from Bristol City. He was with Rovers before. He's a great fullback. They've brought in Marcus Poom and Estonian midfielder who looks really, really good. They've brought in Liam Burt from their rivals, Bohemians. And they've brought in Johnny Kenny, who was with Sligo Rovers before, moved over to Celtic. Hasn't really happened for him, so he's back now. But that's four players that could easily go into their starting eleven. So that's maybe four players from last year that'll have to come out at the starting eleven. That gives Stephen Bradley real options now when it comes to the thick of the season, when they're in Europe, when they're competing for the league. So I think Rovers are still the one to beat. And who's going to be nipping at their heels? There's a strong push that this is the strongest Derry City side in years. Definitely. Look, they were 11 points, thir actually 13 behind, points behind last season, but they were 24 behind the season before. So they cut that deficit in half. And I think they'll have learned a lot from last season. We always talk about the month of May at Derry was an absolute disaster. They didn't win a game throughout the entire month of May. And I think into early part of June and they lost huge ground and you just can't do that against Shamrock Rovers. So I think they'll have identified things that went wrong during that period. They'll have gained little bits of knowledge of, how to overcome little slumps they might fall into this season. And again, they've brought in some really good players as well, Derry. So they beat Shamrock Rovers last Friday in the curtain raiser to the new season, the President's Cup. Obviously, you don't read too much into it, but they won the FAI Cup in emphatic fashion last season. I think that could be a springboard to greater things. So for me, look, it's a two-horse race, and I think it'll be very tight between the two, but I would just fancy Shamrock Rovers with the experience of winning three in a row behind them. This season sees the return of Cork back into the top flight. How will they fare? Obviously, incredible history. Even success recently has been there. Obviously, a different club having to go down and are now trying to go back up. Will they be fairly safe or will this year be a case of trying just to solidify themselves as a top flight team again? 
a general theme across particularly the Premier Division is the amount of overseas players that's come into the league this season with Shamrock Rovers and Derry having the resources they do and, and been able to give the very best players in the country long-term contracts. We're seeing a lot less moving of players between the top clubs, whereas before it was one-year contracts and every December will come and there'll just be a free-for-all. But now the best players are tied down to the best clubs. So other clubs below the top two or three, they're having a look outside of Ireland a lot more. Cork City have brought in three players from Sweden. They've brought in a couple of loanees from the UK as well. Um, so it's very, very difficult to know what type of player they're getting. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll stay up, but they've been subject to a takeover as well, I should mention. They've got a new owner in and he's got a lot of really good ideas and plans for the clubs uh, for the club we had him on our show during the week he mentioned you know if they could finish in the top four or five that'd be a brilliant season i hope he hasn't got his ambition set too high because i think if cork can maybe look to what shells did last season they got back up established themselves with a kind of steady mid-table seventh place finish and a good cup run if Cork can do something similar. I think they should be happy with that because I'm just not sure the squad is that strong. With Cork coming up, you also then have to look at UCD. They scrape by keeping their top flight status. Will they be one of the favourites when it comes to potential relegation teams? They're the favourite every season. They're raw off every single season before before a ball is kicked. It was no different last year. Um, Andy Myler has done a remarkable job there, not only keeping them up last season, but getting them up in the first place. But there's been a cost to that. They have been raided. They've lost all their best players. Liam Kerrigan went uh, midway through last season. He moved over to Como in, in Serie B. In Italy, uh, Collie Whelan has gone to Derry. Um, they missed him for most of the second half of the year through a, through a bad knee injury anyway. Sean Brennan's gone to Drogheda. Evan Caffrey's gone to Shelburne. Tommy Lonergan, who probably kept them up single-handedly almost in the second half of the season, he's gone to Pat. So, you know, with success, I'm afraid they've been raided. But that that's the UCD model. They produce so many great players for the other clubs in the league, and they always have a few talented players coming through. And I've seen UCD a couple of times in pre-season, and I... You know, they don't look too bad. They're, they're still the favourites for me to go down and, and finish bottom, but I think they'll pick up points here and there. I think it'll be the head-to-head games against clubs like Drotada, clubs like Cork, that will decide whether UCD have a chance of staying up this season or not. But they're definitely the favourites to go down. But that's, you know, they, they've heard this all before. So don't be surprised if they, if they shock everyone again this year. And, of course, below the top 10... You have the first division, your team sitting there. I think from an outsider's point of view, you're looking at it and you're seeing a few familiar names over the past 10, 15 years you've had uh, success up in the top flight. Is it going to be a real scrap to try and get back up to that top division with some of those teams you missed out last year? It certainly is. Um, so for any of your listeners that don't know how the structure of the first division works, you've got 10 clubs. Um, Kerry FC are coming in for the first time this year to make up the 10. It was only nine last year. So that's a great addition to the league. We can touch on them later if you like. But the top team goes up automatically promoted uh, as champions. And then from second down to fifth, you have a playoff series. And it takes a bit of getting through these playoffs as well. So you'll have uh, the second team will play the fifth team over two legs. And the third will play the fourth over two legs. And then the winner of those games face each other over one leg. And then the winner of that game faces the second bottom team in the Premier Division over one leg. So it takes a bit of getting out of the first division, it's fair to say. Absolutely. And some of the teams, you know, carries the brand new one in. Waterford's in there. They got a takeover last summer. Finn Harps come down. Are you able to call who's who's likely to be up near the top come the end of this year? 
Yeah, well, um, look, Waterford are the strong enough favourites. Um, as you mentioned, they were subject to a takeover last year. Now, we've had several false dawns at Waterford. Different owners have come in. They've had a little bit of success early on, and then the wheels have come off very quickly. But I don't fear that with their new owner, Andy Piley. Uh, he is the owner of Fleetwood Town as well. Look, I don't follow Fleetwood that closely, but when... Waterford were taken over by this gentleman. A lot of Fleetwood fans came onto League of Ireland forums and onto Twitter and they were saying what a transformation he did at their club in terms of training facilities and the fan experience. And that's one thing I've really noticed having been down in the RSC a couple of times since he's taken over. He's really put a lot of emphasis in making it, you know, an event not to miss different food facilities, kind of beverages, um, mu- music, DJs. He's really built up a kind of a really good atmosphere down there and they were getting massive crowds towards the end of last year. And obviously with him being the owner of Fleetwood, they are now a sister club of them. So they're able to bring the very best young talents across to Waterford on loan, give them some game time here, and then they can send them back to Fleetwood. And obviously Fleetwood pick off the best players from Waterford as well. So they've got no excuse not to get promoted. They've got all the resources. They had a pre-season training camp in Dubai just a few weeks ago. That's unheard of for a first division club. So there's no excuse for Waterford not to get promoted. They have every single resource at hand to do so. In the Irish League... We have only recently over the past couple of years seen full-times, multiple full-time teams come in. We are are seeing with Lauren being bought out by Kenny Bruce, Ali Poor taking over, Glen Torren. There was talk of Crusaders potentially being bought over last summer. In the League of Ireland, as we were talking about there, Waterford being bought over by uh, the owner of Fleetwood Town. You know, Cork have a, a brand new uh, man in charge. What is the draw for men like this to come in and own a team? Is there a long-term goal where they see getting in now at the ground level, the future of the league could be something? What 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 is it? Because in the Irish League, we're looking at it going well. If you're a top team here, there's a lot of money to potentially be made from Europe, like significant amounts of cash as you well know uh your team's going through it as well but is is that what they're after what's behind these money men coming in europe is a huge draw obviously because you look at the top division there's 10 teams in it four of them qualify for europe so almost half of the league goes into europe that that's a huge draw for potential owners when they look at that pot of, of big european money um the other thing as well we look at a good example like waterford with the fleetwood town owner taking them over I think, especially with Brexit now as well, it's harder for clubs in England to get players in from from outside of, of the EU. So they're looking to Ireland and there's some really, really good young players here. Players that by the time they've turned 22, 23, they might have played 100, 150 senior matches. They've played in Europe, played in big games, cup finals and the like. Whereas if you're looking towards academy players, you always hear about these highly promising young players, but they're sent over then to play here in a men's league and they sometimes they struggle. So to go out and get competitive game time in a game like this or in a league like this is is absolutely crucial. And I think clubs in England are looking at that now and they're saying, well, if we have a partnership with some of these clubs like Waterford, they can just transfer players between the two clubs whenever it suits. And one, they could get a player from Waterford. We've just seen Phoenix Patterson go over. He was the best player in the first division by a country mile last season. He's gone over to Fleetwood now. He's still young. He's been at Spurs and he's been at Watford in the past. Who's not to say Fleetwood don't sell him on for a huge transfer fee? So, um, yeah, I, I think that's another thing that a lot of clubs are looking at. We're hearing a lot more about these multi-club ownership models now, and I think that's something that that we're going to see in the League of Ireland going forward. Fascinating. You're, you're right. Brexit does play 
some role within this circumventing some things or even just having a an ability to have a link to Europe through through a team in the Republic of Ireland. Let's talk about Kerry. Fascinating story. Brand new club coming into the first division. What is the story there? Was Has this been a team that's been bubbling underneath or a concept been bubbling underneath in that area and finally they have a team entering the League of Ireland this year? Yeah, it certainly has. So there's been talk for a long, long time about the potential for some sort of Kerry team to to enter the League of Ireland. It's probably been going on nearly 20 years, this discussion. Tralee Dynamos would have played in the old A Championship. So that was a level below League of Ireland where it was a mix of reserve teams, kind of regional teams. There was a couple of college teams in there. Um, I think it was actually a disaster that they got rid of that. I thought that was a great pathway to try and develop clubs. But anyway, Tralee were maybe suggested as a team that might come through. That never really happened. And then over the last number of years, um, there's been a huge shift in Irish football. So for the last two or three decades, really, it was always the schoolboy clubs that kind of had ownership of developing the young players in this country. So you obviously have the Dublin District Schoolboy League, which is the big powerhouse when it comes to development and football. And players would have played for their teams in the DDSL and then would have been scouted by clubs in England, would have gone across and generated money for them clubs. Um, but now the ownership on producing young players has been put into the League of Ireland academies. So we've got the under 13s league, 15s league, 17s league and 19s league. And those leagues are really been looked at now by clubs, not only in the UK, but we've seen a lot of Italian clubs come in. There's other European teams that are looking at young players in these leagues. So Kerry kind of identified that and they had... Um, a Kerry District Schoolboy League team entered in the underage ranks for the last number of years. And then they have slowly built their way up through the underage to get to a stage now where they feel they can go and uh, enter the senior ranks. So look, it's it's absolutely brilliant. I think there's huge potential for, for Kerry in the league. We've seen so many great players come from Kerry and play in the league, but now players, young players growing up down there have a chance to represent their own home county club. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. So, I wish them all the best for this season. You're totally right. Huge amount of potential. A massive sporting hub in the country and now it has a soccer team to mm-hmm. call its own. And and what a way to kick things off with a, a sellout game as your first fixture. Yeah, they've done a, a lot of work to it. The name of their ground is Mount Hall Park. It's just located outside of Tralee. It looks a really picturesque part of the world. Um, we're playing there in May, I think so. I think that'll be a flight. I didn't think I'd ever be flying to a League of Ireland <laughs> game, but I think that's what we're going to do with the looks of it. Um, but it, lo- it looks a lovely ground. They've done uh, great work with it. They've they've got the capacity up to about, uh, it's I think about 1,400 or so. So that's sold out for tonight and um, should be a great occasion. Looking at the map, seeing a team like this come through feels a bit like I'm I'm sort of a big American sports fan. It's almost like creating a franchise. You know, mm. when you're looking to try and try and find a market, you know, Dublin is definitely oversaturated. Huge city, of course, yeah. but lots of teams there. And and looking through here, the the first division, you can see a lot more of the teams scattered throughout the island. Do you think there's other areas that could see perhaps a model like this? Or is potentially carry the last holdout where it's like this as a an area of real potential? Or could you see maybe let's call it a franchise potentially pop up elsewhere? Yeah, myself and my friend Gary, who does the show with me, we actually call the first division the Discover Ireland division because <laughs> <laughs> we're we're based kind of in the the northern half of the country, me and Gary, and uh, we're down in Waterford, Kerry, Cove, 
Limerick we're, we're all over the place the mileage on the car is incredible so um, it's a great way of seeing the country all right um there's talk at the moment about Kildare did have a team um up until about maybe just under 20 years ago now they pulled out of the league sadly but there's talk of maybe trying to re-establish a club there there's been rumors about a Meath team but obviously Drogheda is quite close so yeah I'm not sure how that would work again there's been talk about maybe another team in the Midlands Mullingar someone like that but I think again you've got Longford not long quite nearby so it's hard to know um there was up until recently there was a, a Mayo team in the underage league so there was a great hope that they would do similar to Kerry and build slowly at underage level and then go into League of Ireland and Mayo you've got huge towns like Castlebar there and Westport they would be a hub certainly but they've run into a few issues now so they're actually just pulling out of the underage for the next while hopefully they'll come back in soon and maybe start building towards uh, senior football again but I think somewhere like Mayo would definitely be uh, an area that it'd be great if we could get a team in there and uh, Monaghan United obviously pulled out of the league in 2012 yes. they have a partnership with Cavan at the moment again I think they've been in the underage leagues I'm not sure what their story is for next season whether they're still going forward or not but again if they could re-establish a team it'd be great to see but I think Mayo definitely an area that maybe has huge untapped potential Here comes the section that we'll probably call slightly ignorant questions from the Irish League. It's it's probably all the questions that people are, are listening to this and thinking, what is the story with that? Or how does this work? Or, or or what's the view from the League of Ireland? Because the big debates in our circles is one, summer football. That's obviously something you guys have had for 20 years now and don't look like you're ever thinking about changing. Uh, you guys have a majority full-time. Is it just UCD and Drahud is the only non-full-time team? UCD is a bit of a, an outlier as such because, look, they are part-time, but because a lot of the players are in the college, they're on campus, they're on scholarships, they they get access to yeah. unbelievable facilities. They're all they're together all the time, so they are almost full-time. Uh, the only real genuine part-time team is Drahud United. They are... They tried desperately over the, the off-season to try and get investment into the club to try and go full-time or certainly close to the full-time. That still hasn't come through. They're having different discussions with different parties at the moment. Um, but as as of now, they're going into this season not only part-time, but actually with a reduced budget from last season. So I think Drotada could be in big trouble this season. But yeah, they're the only part-time team, really. Does that not give them any benefits at all in the sense that there could it be does... some? Because you know, where they're sitting... You know, they're not too far down south, Dublin. not too far to Dublin. So you kind of have that yeah. thing where is there players that are in between? Because if you go to the first division, what kind of percentage of full-time teams are there in there? So this season going into it, we, we have what we're calling the big two, Waterford and Galway, both full-time yeah. investing huge resources to try and get promoted. Um, after that, the rest are either all part-time or Harps are very close to being full-time. They've got a couple of younger kind of academy players that will be around the team on a part-time basis but generally they're going full-time this season again outside of that they're all part-time aside from Kerry who are coming in on an amateur basis and Treaty United are also amateur as well so is that then a real divide where there's a complete professional attitude for most players because where we're sitting in the league there is the 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 four full time teams, and I'll, I'll include Crusaders, where this is kind of three quarters model. But there, mm. there's a strange thing where we have some teams where some players 
aren't ready to give up their jobs. So you have the full-time teams at the top. You have incredible players, absolutely. But you have some just below it who are able to scoop up the players who have jobs or, or, or long-term careers who would absolutely be a player who could play for one of the full-time teams. But they would rather have the situation where they'll play part-time football and continue their career in whatever their chosen field is. That isn't the case then for Drogheda. They want to get back up full-time and bring the players in. They're not kind of taking on some of these players who are going, you know what, I'd rather continue on doing job X while playing at this high level. Similar to Connor Keeley left Balamina and he's went straight to Dorda yeah. and that seemed to be his key option because he could keep on doing his job while playing football. They aren't benefiting from that really. They're somewhat the the poor little brother of the league. Well, th- th- they are and they aren't. Uh, so Drogheda have a fabulous midfielder called Dara Markey and there was a lot of interest in him during the off-season, but the, the talk was that I can't recall what his profession is, but he has a job uh, that he absolutely loves and a quite a good job. And he decided to stay with Drotted, apparently, because he didn't want to give up um, that to go full-time, and that's that's fair enough. So, you know, I'm sure there are examples like that, but the problem is now, with the rest of the Premier Division all been full-time, there isn't really that market. The, the part-time players are almost been squeezed out of the Premier Division, really. You either have to fully commit to it or go and play in the first division. So Drotada need to go full-time if they're going to compete. It's as simple as that. And let's... I know you're not speaking on behalf of all clubs or the entirety of the league, but the other big question is a push from the top teams or some fans of the top teams for the fabled All-Ireland, All-Island League. Is this a case where teams fans in the league of ireland aren't really even thinking about this and some of the teams of fans here are obsessed with this big super league where, where does it rank in the issues of the day in the league of ireland yeah it a couple of seasons ago it was a huge burning topic and i think i think the vast vast majority of league of ireland fans would fully support it. i actually attended a press conference a couple of years ago and um, when there was talk of this um all ireland league been set up I can't recall the gentleman's name now at this moment in time, but he was a Kerry man, actually. I remember this. He was the businessman that was leading up. He brought an expert across from Holland to, you know, host this press conference and they showed all the research they had done. There was parts of it I agreed with, parts of it I didn't agree with, but overall, I do think an all-island league would kick on football in this country tremendously. I think, you you can correct me on this, but I think maybe in the Irish league, there's not the same hunger for from some clubs and... I think it would take a change in attitudes as well in terms of obviously the Irish league is very Belfast based. Uh, your longest trip is probably what an hour, an hour and a half. Whereas you have somebody like me that's going from the top of the country to the bottom every week. So stuff like that wouldn't appeal to clubs in terms of, you know, it's, it's very exp- cost travel costs have shot up, but even for supporters, would they want to make a trip down to Kerry of a Friday night Would the novelty wear off after a season or two? I don't know, but I think certainly an all island league, marketed properly get a proper television deal because that is something the league of ireland still doesn't have um get good sponsorship in i can't see why it wouldn't be done but look everything like everything in life and everything in football it all comes back to politics and maybe blazers not wanting to lose positions in both associations so um i i don't see it happening for the uh very foreseeable future anyway i i think you're right uh you know not to speak out of turn but i i think absolutely from a lot of fans perspective out here the all the idea of an all island league obviously it has a, a lot of baggage there's also 
uh, as you touched upon there, the little things in regards, you know, we talked about how important European money is, and it absolutely is, uh, particularly with this Champions Path in the Champions League, where you could skip through a few rounds. It's a huge amount of money. Mm. And do they want to give that up? I don't know. Can you go to Europe and go, yes, sorry, we would like to create our own league, but also somehow keep eight, seven to eight European places. You know, that that's another discussion to be had. But then would it all balance out? And we we look at some of the teams in the Irish League, and, and I think you would see Glentor and Linfield, Corian, Larne, Cliffville, and probably Crusaders would be competitive. And I, I saw a a document that detailed attendances, and the attendances in, in the Irish League have went up massively. We've doubled since 2014 for a, a number of reasons, but there is a hunger uh, in the Irish League as well. And we see Shamrock Rovers up there with an average of 5,000. Glentorn and Limfield are sixth and seventh, and they're sitting there just under three. Uh, this is data from December 2022. But if you took out some of our, you know, you only have 10 teams, we have 12. And I'm not speaking out of turn saying, you know, we have really high attendances and then we have, you know, quite low attendances near the bottom. And you, you know, you take out, let's call it a, uh, you know, call a lower team with attendance. You take out what they would bring to, let's say, Windsor Park and add in what a Shamrock Rovers or Bohemians would, would take up. All of a sudden, those go massively up. Yeah. So that that would be the push when it comes to bringing in new fans, but uh, it, it's interesting because as much as there seems to be a pull from some of the higher ups in the top teams in our league, uh, is it the same in the Republic of Ireland? It, it just seems to. I guess it, it's it's mixed at the minute. Obviously, when you talk about this, you're looking at the old days of the Tanta Cup and the success and, and and failure of that. It definitely had its moments. Perhaps something like an an All Ireland Cup is the way to broach that subject move towards it potentially if that is ultimately the right decision or the right goal well as you said we, we've been down that road with the satanta cup it's been tried on a couple of occasions uh, I, I think probably the dominance of the league of ireland clubs probably didn't help it either uh, i think the irish league clubs got fed up quite quickly with it uh, particularly in the early days the money was great so you could probably uh overlook the fact the league of ireland clubs were dominating uh, for the money but when the money then started to dwindle away I think uh, there wasn't the hunger there for it. And then we've had the Unite Cup. Uh, in, in, we had one uh, version of that, which was won very, very easily by Dundalk against Linfield. And it hasn't been uh, run for various reasons, COVID and and, and, and scheduling issues since then. Um, so I, I don't know if another All-Ireland Cup is the answer. I think we either have to jump in both feet or, or not at all. Talking about cash, I know you're not in the books of all these teams, but we here in the Irish League are feeling we're going through a uh, a feeling out process where we have some of the big teams, uh, you know, potentially putting out big wages and we're not quite sure how stable these full-time teams are going to be long-term. We've had mm -hmm. one team here talking about, it's a part-time team talking about looking to cut their cloth, potentially uh, overexerting themselves. Right now, we all know the history of the past 20 years some of the biggest teams in the League of Ireland. Hasn't always been a, a league you would describe as stable or have a lot of stability financially? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Where are we right now? Because there was talk of there potentially being a minimum or it was proposed by somebody the idea of a minimum it, wage 
but it also, has been brought in. But it also, it has been brought in the minimum wage. It has, yeah. So you asked me about the stability of the league. Um, thankfully, we've had a very quiet couple of years in terms of it used to be an annual event. At least once a year, we would hear rumours of pay- players not being paid at a club, issues behind the scenes. We haven't really had that now for quite a number of years. Um, and with the increased attendances, there's a bit more revenue about the clubs. The streaming has come in as well, which is obviously boosted the the profile of the league and, and again a bit more uh, revenue for the club so um yeah a minimum wage has been brought in so full-time players will earn a minimum of something in around 430 euro that's the minimum but obviously players at the very top clubs are on multiples of that um part-time players have to earn uh roughly half that 200 and something i don't have the figures in front of me but that's been brought in players now have to be paid during pre-season uh, they get you know holiday pay, all that type of stuff. So the conditions for the players has greatly improved. So I think that's a sign that the league is on a much more steady footing. And then Damien Duff, who is manager <laughs> of Shelburne, in one of the most historic clubs, obviously haven't really recovered from their own financial issues, back up to where they were 15 years ago. He's talking about, look, all managers are going to talk about wages and being able to afford them. But then he's saying, you know, He's looking out there and he potentially isn't able to afford, he quoted 1,200 euros as the as the chance. He can't afford that as a weekly wage to bring in experienced players. You talked about, and I wanted to touch on this, the amount of influx of players from outside of the league. Uh, is this a, a very new phenomenon? And can you talk to me slightly about the new story, what some people online were talking about, the Tinder for football players? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I haven't read that piece yet. I know it was by Dan McDonald, a brilliant League of Ireland journalist, an Irish football journalist. Um, I will get a look at that, but he was talking about, I think it's called Transfer Room is it the is. name of this site where there's something like 650 clubs signed up to it and you can request information on players. And as you said, it's almost a bit like a dating app for uh, for, for signing players. So um, I think that has played a role in the large influx of overseas signings we've seen during the winter, as well as, like I said earlier, the top clubs have the best players signed to long-term deals. So if you're going to freshen up your squad, you have to shop somewhere. And and a lot of clubs have gone to, I suppose, Scandinavia and, and cl- countries like Estonia, where maybe the wages aren't that high and you can bring players in and say, look, you're going to get a chance to showcase yourself in Europe. If you do well here, you can earn a move to the UK or, or somewhere else. So um i think that's a reason we've seen so many overseas players it's not a new phenomenon i think we've seen more than ever this season but we've seen a lot of overseas players come in uh, particularly from the uk but from beyond as well uh from 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 europe and, and further fields it's hard to recall too many that were a major success there, there has been examples joey and doe obviously is yes. the standout one one of the best foreign players ever graced uh, the league of ireland uh, played in the world cup for Cameroon he's now uh, one of the most enjoyable pundits on television to watch of course but um he was obviously the standout one he was he was some player but there's been a lot of players that come in we go back to Dundalk a couple of years ago where they had um American owners who were you know they had some some fairly wacky ideas let's say um and they brought in a lot of players from all over they, they, they tried to target really lower ranked international nations so they were signing players from Latvia and and uh, Gibraltar and places like that uh, players that had caps for those countries and the vast majority just didn't work out and they were on big wages and it was just a, a wasted exercise really so yeah you, you, as I said earlier you never know what you're getting when you're signing players like this but 
Um, I think with the, the bit more technology out there, you can watch players and get info on them. And there's the, the clubs have better contacts out there now. So hopefully that they'll sign some really good players in. Just with the fact that you physically haven't been away that long, if I'm being honest, from November to now, uh, does the league change quite a lot in the summer when some of the other big leagues... Their players are coming out of contract. Does it change a lot? Is kind of weird teams resetting themselves over this winter period? Or do you almost fall into sync with other leagues that are playing at that time period? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The summer is generally a time when you might see maybe some Irish players that are in the UK that they're either coming towards maybe the end of their career or they've gone over as a young player and it hasn't worked out for them. A lot of the time you'll see them come home in the summer. So yeah, the summer can be quite active, definitely. Kieran, thank you so much for jumping on uh, with me. If people are keen to have an ear, pick a team, have a bit of an interest in the league as it as it kicks off uh, and moves forward. By the time people are listening to this, it will have already kicked off. Where can people find your stuff so they can hear your dulcet tones, uh, you and your crew, on a weekly basis? Thank you very much. Yeah, look, we're best known for our, our weekly podcast. Uh, that's Between the Stripes LOI podcast. You'll find that on all the podcast outlets, Apple, Spotify, all the rest. Uh, you can go to betweenthestripes.net. That's where you'll find the podcast as well. Uh, other bits and pieces, articles and interviews and other little, little bits and pieces. And uh, we're very, very active on Twitter as well. So if you search at Between Stripes, uh, you, you will find us on Twitter. So yeah, that's pretty much it. A joy. I look forward to the season ahead. And finally, come on, you have to pin your your stripes to the mast, as they say. Who is uh, your crew that you will either be having a joyous ride or a long, drawn-out season following? Uh, Longford Town is, is my team. We were in the Premier Division a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, uh, didn't stay up for too long. So back in the First Division, um, we've been picked apart during the off-season. We lost our manager um, and a lot of the players went to Wexford. So... We've had to build a very, very young team, but I think we've got some exciting young players. So look, I'm not really putting any expectation on them. Just going to see how it goes and enjoy the year. You can't be getting out and watching live football every week. Really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for taking your time to chat to us and we'll hopefully catch up soon. Peter, thanks a million. That's it. Something a wee bit different. Thank you very much for that. I would love to hear all your feedback or questions. You can hit me up online at Kickamatch on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Send me an email via kickingmatch at gmail.com and as well as that, there should be a thing if you're on Spotify, you can send me a wee question or remark. Let me know what you made of it. I really do think I'll be uh, knocking on Kieran's digital door sometime in the future. Uh, because I have had so many questions enter my head ever since uh, I hung up on the call. What a guy. Go check out uh, the Between the Stripes podcast to get a bit of fix of what's going down in the League of Ireland. As you can tell, that boy knows his stuff and he's got a great cast and crew with him. Uh, go check out his episode with the new owner of Cork City. Always good to try and hear and learn what other leagues are doing. Until then, uh, I'll see you again. I'll see you later on this week. Cheers. Cheers.